Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Sam, to my Neil. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, feeling pretty good. Feeling and our, uh, helpful. And our very own Bill. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, can you, you figure out what this intro is referencing? Uh, no, I thought maybe you were doing one actor from Jurassic Park. No. Then I lost it. No. Uh, okay, I'll give you a clue. The actors are John Francis Daly, Sam Levine, and Martin Starr. Are we doing uh, Freaks and Geeks? That is correct. Nice. I, I thought you could go. get it. I thought you get it in too. Kevin, Honestly, you watch, as soon as you, you saw Martin Starr, I, I unlocked it. Did you, uh, Kevin? I know you don't watch TV. But have you ever seen an episode of Freaks and Geeks? Uh, probably at some point. The thing about Freaks and Geeks that I think is like so so great, and uh, oh, someone is buzzing, is that it like kind of brought a bunch of. Uh, actors and actresses that are really really talented kind of into the forefront right it was kind of, they were all kind of before their time it was their coming out party for sure yeah james franco seth rogan jason siegel martin Starr, uh linda cardi and nelly cardinelli yeah uh there's just all these people in this show that that are like really crushing it and i, I don't know i find it really that was uh, back in the day when we all loved judd apatow for good reason yeah i mean yeah simple it, times Paul Feig was the Paul Feig was the showrunner on the show, right? And he, I mean, he's he's held up. He's, he's he's made some movies that people enjoy quite a bit. I love Spy. I will never stop talking about that. You movie. You love and Spy. You really do. Watch Spy. It's funny. It makes you makes me laugh every time. Uh, I can't. They're too busy playing identity th- thief all the time oh. and never and never Spy. Spy is one of Jason Statham's greatest roles. Oh my Spy, god! So if good. you see Spy, it's worth a lot of money. So you, they don't, they don't just. Show I just, it to you. I love how crestfallen it is every time. Uh, who Allison Janney gives Melissa McCarthy a new cover. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's just, uh, just, just so, so sad. Uh, so anyway, uh, now that we're, uh, we're, we're back in action, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, big news this week: DK Metcalf ran a hundred meters in ten point three seven seconds, and uh, I think. Um, so I co- full disclosure, I coached track and I had some expectations. You know, I, I expected him to finish last uh, out of all the athletes, which he did not. He beat two guys, which is already very impressive. Uh, he finished last in his heat, though. Uh, he ran a 10.37, which is a little faster than I expected. I was expecting closer to like 10.5, 10.5 to 10.6 was my guess. That's and, what uh, uh, Quandre Diggs said that he was expecting to be about 10.5. Yeah, so 10, you, you're 10, in good company. 10-5 is seems about right to me, but he beat it. And he's, I mean, here's the thing. If he was training to be a sprinter, he would not be as big as he is, right? He would shed 30, 40 pounds of, of weight and, and look totally different. And he went out there and he competed. And it, I thought it was great because he said, you know, I'm doing it because everyone else is too afraid to do it. You know? yes. I would love to see a guy like a smaller guy, a guy who, you know, doesn't have to worry about his, his physical imp- imposing, like, like a Tyreek Hill do do something similar to what he did right or maybe you know go ahead and get out there uh raheem moster instead of just talking trash on twitter <laughs> i was that, that that tweet made me so mad like reference the reference the 40 or the 100 meter time from what was it like set six years ago seven years ago right it was 2014 after before your leg blew up six different times because you suck anyway just wanted to get that out there all right what'd you guys think of dk's big run i love that he went for it and like you said <laughs> Everyone was scared to do this. He got big ups from people like LeBron James. Uh, question back at you, Nathan. Uh, working in track and field and uh, sprinting, do you think his get off could have been a little better? Uh, like he his... faded. At, he actually faded at the end. Okay, he but he didn't finish. I, I felt I like know. watching it. His start was uh, his start looked a little. I thought it was, it was like Sea Biscuit. He's a big dude. It wasn't, oh, oh it wasn't, I know. 
it was not horrible. I think if the race was, you know, 65 meters, he would have finished what, like fifth in his heat. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's just, yeah, I think it was a little long uh, for him, which is weird to say about a 100 meter race, but it's just, that, that's the kind of thing is he's not training specifically for that, right? He's training for something completely different and he just decided, Hey, I want to try this. You know, it's something I want to do. And what I love about it too, is the Seahawks let, they let the players be their personalities, right? It would be so Pete Carroll, if Pete Carroll said, Hey, always compete, but not at this, uh, that would be so yeah. not Pete. And it, it really, he, he, Pete lives the mantra. He's not joking around. And I think that's why players take to him, right? He, he's not, it's not just a, an act. He really is that guy. He's 100% that guy. Yeah, and DK at the same get, time. Oh. I was just to say DK avoided injury, so ultimately we all win. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's the whole thing is people worried about him getting hurt out there, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, the what he was doing wasn't more strain than he puts on his body during a lot of training. Like, if you think about the uh, quick twitch that he trains himself to do, you're a lot more likely to pop an ACL or something doing that kind of work. So as much as you don't want to see an athlete go out there and injure themselves doing something besides their main sport, like that wasn't a super high risk thing for him. And it seemed like it was something that was really motivating and something he really wanted to do. So good for him. Yeah. So I thought it was fun. I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't know people who didn't want him to do it or even afterward, if you, afterwards, if you're dunking on him for it, like he did really well, that was much better than I think 99.9% of NFL players would have done. It's a very difficult thing that he was he went in there to do, and he I thought he he it was actually kind of perfect from like a guy I'm a guy who likes track so uh, from a track perspective because he didn't do too good you know it does show that sprinter speed is different like the guy who won that heat is probably not going to the Olympics right and so it showed like sprinter speed is a little different plus um, it did show that uh, but it, he did good enough that like it he didn't embarrass himself. Right. Yeah, he like showed it, he was a world class athlete in all senses of the term, while also showing that somebody who specializes specializes. Yeah. So, and he is special, but not, but not, a, but he does not. He's just, just, he's just very good at that. Not a, not an Olympian quite yet. I mean, maybe if he really goes for it, maybe I don't know. That's I guess, I'm guessing he'll be too successful in the NFL for that to ever be a thing. So the Seahawks made four roster moves since we last met up. Uh, four guys joining the squad. Uh, Nate Evans, a linebacker from UCF, was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars and picked up by the Seahawks on waivers. Uh, this is a total. So there's two linebackers on our roster that could make the squad ahead of Evans. Uh, Aaron Donkor, who we'll talk about in a second. And uh, from Army. What's the guy from Army's name? John Kevin? Radigan. John Radigan. So so they, who profile very differently, but if both if those guys just crap out and they're terrible, Nate Evans is a nice safe floor. This guy can play special teams. He could play at a not totally embarrassing level on the field. Uh, who was the guy we had a couple years ago who was like we'd made fun of him a lot, but he was actually just like a fine backup middle Calitro? linebacker. Yeah, Austin Calitro. This is an Austin Calitro. Nate Evans is like a hey. This guy can get st- he's not great, but he can get the job done. If, yeah, if he's push like a count, lower floor, a lower ceiling, Cody Barton. Yeah, it's just if you if you want a guy who who can do some some stuff, but he's not he's not gonna blow the doors off of the team. I mean, he's just he's a good, effective player who's probably not quite a good enough athlete to be absolutely great. Uh, so there, yeah. If the other guys just are totally nothing, we got the safe safe floor here. Nate Evans provides a nice NFL caliber backup quality so there you go that's enough of nate evans uh great first name so 
the, the, let's talk about Aaron Donkor, the uh, the German international Ter- pipeline player Ar- or whatever it is. Right. So they <laughs> inter- so they have an international pro day. Uh, what it is is f- they pick four teams to, and this year it was the NFC West got got to do it, uh, who get to basically get one of these players for free. There's eleven guys at the uh, at the international combine this year. Aaron Donkor is one of them. He is a linebacker who is very athletic. He's 26 years old, but he did not start playing football until age 21. Uh, he's 6'2", uh, 240, uh, 21 benches, the jump 39 in the vertical, ran a 4'4", 640. So he's, this, this guy can move, he's strong, but he's not totally a football player. So that's the kind of, that's why you have Nate Evans, right? If Aaron comes in and he's just like too raw and you're going to have to put him on the practice squad, well, guess what? You've got a guy ready to go that can can do the job for now while we hope that Aaron continues to develop his skill as a football player. Uh, great athlete, but yeah, you probably, probably not going to, uh, to impress anyone. I didn't try to dig up any Arkansas state film. Sorry guys. Yeah. Just pure <laughs> athleticism upside lotto ticket guy. Well, I wanted to understand how this goes with the international pipeline. And I, I was like, wait, so they just draw divisions. Like what if you really like a player, but I think that hasn't happened. Well, I think that the thing about this is, is that um, I don't know if any of these guys would have got signed as UDFAs. Yeah. Well, that's, just, I think it, the thing is all of them were eligible for the actual NFL draft too. Yeah. It's the thing is, is if you really want those guys, you could draft them in the seventh round, but there's a reason they weren't And the NFL is trying to encourage this international pipeline. So they're like, Hey, you know, I think it's like, here's a free roll. You know, you can have one of these guys and trying to make, make that a thing so like now if so if there's like let's say there's a german cx fan in fact we know there is because there's one there's a german cx fan in the discord okay and he's a german cx fan and he sees the german guy on the seahawks like that's exciting right like and, again, and then he can tell his german friends hey there's a german player on the seahawks and his brother played international soccer and you know you could start talking about this this guy and it, it creates a buzz around the seahawks in these international areas and i think that's really cool i think it's a cool program like I said, he's probably gonna end up on the practice squad. Like it's it, to me, it's very likely that he'll end up a practice squad. But he's very athletic, and he could turn out to be like a plus special teamer in, in a year or two, or uh, you know, a solid backup. I think that that's a very reasonable arc for him, considering how young he is in the game. Yeah, so. but even if he doesn't, it's one of those things where it puts him into the mix for uh, rookie uh, preseason camp, and it gives him a chance to go through like the offseason conditioning and OTAs and everything. And gives him a chance to work out with the team. So it gives him that leg up to just get in front of some coaches that he otherwise might not be able to get because, you know, again, the, like the, there's only so many roster spots. So by he's, basically opening an extra roster spot for a guy like that, you're giving them a chance to maybe stick on a roster. Four he gets to spot. do he gets to do all of the all of the offseason stuff with us. Right. He gets to see an NFL team bare minimum getting. Yeah. Like you said, get in front of the coaches. So. Speaking of athletic lottery tickets, the Seahawks did pick up one of those this week. Nick Nick Gugimos? Gugimos? I don't know. All right, sure, why not? Uh, But this guy, wow, relative athletic score, perfect 10. He's number one out of 930 tight ends in the database. Uh, Fast, 449, 25 benches, 38.5-inch vertical, 10-foot, 11-inch broad jump. This guy is an insane athlete, and he's quick, too. His 10-yard split was 9.96. So he's he's not just like, oh, I can I got long speed and I'm strong. He's he's quick, too, in the thing. So what I did is 
he played wide receiver in college. So I was like, okay, it's good for a tight end, but like, what does it look like for a wide receiver? So relative athletic scores out of 10, 10 is the best, right? His relative, the, the relative athletic score as a wide receiver, 9.94. That's still so, pretty good. <laughs> so still elite, like still an elite athlete for a wide receiver. This guy's big. He's strong. He can run. Um, he's learning tight ends, not his, his position. He's played up to this point. He was a division three wide receiver. Uh, he went to the same college as John Schneider. That's a pretty fun fact. You know the thing about St. Thomas in Minnesota, right? Uh, it's in Minnesota. So it was a D3 powerhouse that was so good that um, their uh, conference kicked them out. Because sense. they uh, basically were just like whooping every team in the conference like 53 to 3. And uh, because they have a lot more investment and a lot bigger uh, football have, program. So they they're actually moving up. Well, yeah, so they're actually moving up uh, to a higher level of competition because, um, yeah, they. but I just thought it was funny that it's a school that got kicked out of their conference for being too good. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense to me. People are whiners. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's a, this is another, like, just like Donkor, but I think this is a little even more upside because Gugamos has been playing football longer, right? And he's younger. This guy could really turn out to be a, a diamond in the rough. Great athlete. I don't know how they found this guy. I mean, I had never heard of him prior to to this but man watching that workout video this guy really knows how to work out bare minimum <laughs> like, <laughs> like like i'm serious though he does know how to work like this guy can work out he's going uh what was it what is it that kenny uh, power said you know trying to go pro and working out i'm not yeah, uh, i'm not okay. trying to be the best at exercising <laughs> this guy is the best at exercising though yeah, we like, know he can do two things he can exercise really well and he can cut a very clean line on his facial hair yeah i'm, I'm excited though i think this could this could work out real good if the, that Darren Waller style move tight end is a, is a big thing. And this guy has the athletic profile. He's switching over from wide receiver, just like Waller. I could totally see it being, being uh, something that works out with these eye popping athletic scores, but you never know. You know, sometimes eye popping athletic scores don't turn out to be anything. Seahawks, have done, like this. Seahawks have done this before. The, where did he come from thing? Like, is it, is it like Brandon Frazier and rookie of the year? Like what, what, what? Does does every year do you think do you think John Schneider looks at all the St. Thomas guys and just like hmm, is there anything here? Can well, I actually, one of these he went guys? out and purpose, purposefully got a, st- a shelf stocking job at the same place that Kurt Warner did, and he's like, I've seen this work once. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it turns out that the NFL sends one scout to that store to see who's stocking cans every year, and they're like, well, that guy looks pretty big. I wonder if he played football. So it is rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah. So. The last guy the Seahawks added is Savion Smith. And um, all right, you know how sometimes people say you can't teach speed? Yep. Savion Smith, guys, he's slow. It's the opposite. No one taught it to him. And I mean, you can't teach it anyway. He just doesn't have it. Uh, what but I love is could, that he would need who's buttons? our speed coach. He, he went to the combine and did all the other stuff. And then for 40 yard dash, he was like, no, nah, I'm good. Because <laughs> he knew he's gonna run slow. He ran a four seven coming out of high school. That was all I could find, uh, which is not super fast. I don't know if we get there. I mean, it's faster than Mike could run it, but it's not not fast. And that's then, like that's like decent speed for an edge player. He's a five. He was a five star crew for a reason. He understands how to play the position, but he's just not. He does not have the natural long speed that, uh, and even really short speed to be able to to kind of do this at the NFL level. I think maybe he has, he has super long arms and he's really physical. Maybe they could turn him into a Brandon Browner style. Like I'm just going to mug you at the line of scrimmage and get a bunch of penalties, but who cares? Cause I'm most of the time I'm just getting away with mugging you at the line of scrimmage. But, 
I actually sure. wonder if we signed him to help fix our issue with a lack of safety depth. Like maybe they're going to try and convert him into a box safety if they can get him up to like more like 205, 210 instead of 200. Um, I don't know. We could use I, more safeties. I feel like his best thing about him. So I actually went back and watched him play some. And I think like the thing for me is the best thing he does is like he maintains Press. like the right kind of like he presses and he maintains the right kind of like contain pushes guys mm-hmm. in the right direction. But like if there's no over the top help, people just run past him. Yep. He got like his senior year in college. He got just torched five like five times in the in the highlight tape. And I was like, wow, this is uh, if you're fast, you could just run by this guy. And if yeah. there's no if there's no help, he's he's done for. So. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough, but he's a, he's smart and he knows how to play the position. I don't know. Like I said, you just can't you can't teach speed, and he just doesn't happen to have. At, I'm setting my expectations for Savion Smith pretty low, uh, right there with the uh, with Brian Mills, <laughs> and uh, and that's like I think he's competing with Brian Mills for like a, like the last secondary spot on the roster kind of thing. Uh, it's that it's that kind of situation. They're competing with I don't know who. Uh, there's probably someone else I should having that mix but yeah they're 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 in the mix for the last secondary spot and uh good luck to all of them i i hope that they impress pete in the in the preseason stuff so all right there are other the other big news okay we signed a couple guys dk ran fast which we i mean we saw it last year with we chased down buddha so we, we we knew already but the seahawks schedule was released now uh mgm has their win totals up so what the athletic did and thank you to the athletic uh they added up all the win totals uh and then they just listed those teams who has the hardest schedule who has the easiest schedule so the hardest the steelers play teams that have a grand total of 153 wins okay that would be the first hardest schedule the seahawks on the other hand have the 32nd hardest schedule playing oh. teams playing teams that have 137 and a half projected wins based on the over-unders from BetMGM. The, this is the lowest number in the league by three and a half. Okay, so there's, a, there's actually a pretty big gap. It's one, That's like the biggest gap between any two spots on this whole list. Yeah, I was about to say, there's only like a 13-game gap between number one and number 32, so that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty big difference. Putting this in layman's terms, this is not your typical strength of schedule. This is based on the... Uh, yeah, so most people base strength of schedule based on last year's record. So what I like about this is, you know, BetMGM is going to bake in all the offseason moves to their to their over-unders, right? They're going to bake in like, hey, what has this team done in the offseason? How, how do we think they're doing? What do we think people... What is the general... What's the consensus on this team in the public, right? So the consensus on the team that the Seahawks are playing is not super super good and it makes sense to me right we're playing the souths uh right right this year kevin we're playing uh one south and one north so we're playing a very weakened afc south and an nfc north that has a lot of big question marks yeah so let's go let's go through it real quick um we're gonna go through the schedule and i'm gonna ask you is this uh okay so i'm gonna ask you guys basically is this game uh an easy win, a t- tough one, or a trap. Okay, so you have three choices: easy, tough, trap. Okay, so trap means that, like, you know, oh, this is like a bad spot on the schedule. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like the way these games lined up. I don't like that. It's like you'll see. All right, we'll get to it. So, okay, Seahawks start the season with a with the 10 a.m. start going going east to face the Colts on the road. Okay, so Eric, easy, tough, or trap? Oh, the Des Moines Dynamo, Peyton Manning. Oh, sorry. Andrew Luck, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and the Colts. 
Uh, I think this should be with our talent, with how we built this roster. This should be an easy win. Okay, uh, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna hard disagree. I think it'll be a tough game. Um, we have a playoff team in Indy, or what should be a playoff team. They, the I think a big question is going to be whether or not they have a left tackle because they signed a guy coming off of a significant injury who may or may not be back in time for the start of the season. Yes. Um, and their pass rush should be pretty improved, so it'll be a good test for our offensive line. What so about their quarterback, team. Kevin? Their quarterback's Carson Bad. Wentz. Exactly. Bad. Uh, but the rest of the roster is really good, so I think it could be a tough game. I expect us to win, but I expect it to be a tough game. That's fine. Uh, I'm going with Trap. I'm going right off the bat, Trap. Ooh. I think this I think this like a... It it seems easier than it is because like oh Carson Wentz with the new with the new team their wide receivers are bad which matches up well with our biggest weakness which is cornerback right so so I'm like oh yeah cool this this should work but I actually think it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of a trap because going east early game it's we don't go we don't go east for an early game again until December twelfth we go September twelfth that's to amazing Dece- December twelfth and we only have two it's only happening twice this year and I just think that that early yeah, it's start- also only Texas and like half our players are from Texas yeah it's it's that early <laughs> it's that early start going east I don't know that I, that I always feel like that's just that's just a, that's just a trap so yeah I uh, I think that's I'm I'm with Kevin if you made me pick because it's not tradition traditionally the first game just can't be a trap game so 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 if you made me pick I'd pick tough all right. Then we come back home for week two versus the Tennessee Tarek Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I think this one should be a win, and I think it might be a fairly easy win, a surprisingly easy win, because right tackle is still a question for them. Their pass rush is kind of crap. They cut both their corners, and Janoris Jenkins is only sometimes good, and Caleb Farley might start the season on the pup. So I think... They don't have the weapons to really uh, stretch our defensive backs a lot, and we should be able to pass all over them. So this should be a win. I actually agree. I, th- I th- I'm I'm gonna buy the storyline that this offense is gonna look like the not like the beginning of the offense because obviously we're not just gonna throw it deep forty yards down the field. It's not air yards the offense like it was the beginning of last year, but <laughs> but like the offense is gonna move the ball really well. And I do not think that Tennessee Titans are built to play from behind. There, it just that when I look at the roster, I'm like, yeah, Josh Reynolds and AJ Brown are pretty solid, but it still looks like a team to me that is built to play from ahead. And so, if we can score on this defense, which I do, I'm not scared of very much. Then, yeah, it should should go pretty well. I actually like the way we match up. I like the way specifically we match up against Tennessee. It's not not a dig on Tennessee. I think they're a solid team, but it's just we match up pretty well with them, in my opinion. All right, Eric, what do you think? Are you going to go against us? Uh, yeah, actually, I am. I'm saying this is going to be harder than than we think. Right. I feel it's going to be a tough game. You're, you're scared of Derrick Henry, I can tell. Yes, I am. Plus, uh, we've, we've <laughs> talked. One thing you said that was really important that I want to I want to talk about, and that's you said I don't see the Titans, uh, you know, being able to p- catch up to us playing from behind. Ah, Seahawks don't typically start fast. So I'm, I'm sticking with Seahawks yeah. football. <laughs> I'm sticking with Seahawks football. September 26th at Vikings. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Is that a is that a good good game, for, good matchup for us? I mean, come on. If if we we've disagreed this whole podcast in just two games in, let's all agree. Big win, easy win. Kevin, what do you think? Do you agree? Trap game. Oh, Kevin. Oh, no. 
Uh, they took us to the wire in 2020, and it required late-game heroics to beat them. Now we're playing them at Minnesota. Daniil Hunter should be back. Justin Jefferson's in year two. They got Darisaw and Davis to improve the offensive line. Pat Pete's at corner, so it's not just rookies. I think this will be a good test from a team I think is maybe in the driver's seat for the NFC North division title. I kind of like the Vikings too. I think this yeah. is totally a trap game, uh, if, especially because you get that you get that um, if you're if you're running high off that Tennessee win and you're looking ahead to to at San Francisco the following week, and uh, it's just the old yeah. let down look ahead sandwich. Yeah, there you go. So you got you don't want you don't want that you don't want that. That's a but bad guys. Spot. They still have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. No, they got Kellen Mond, and I don't know if you, <laughs> know if you read draft dog, but. <laughs> Oh wait, they had Drake, Jake Browning, purple cut. Uh, no, he's not purple cutler. He's no, that's Ethan. That. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, that's the purple pop gun, Jake Browning. <laughs> okay, uh, October third at San Francisco, easy game. I'll just get it out there. I don't like San Francisco at all because likely they will be starting Jimmy Garoppolo at week four, and I don't think he's good. Hot take, guys. Jimmy Garoppolo, not good. Cold Jimmy Gold Jackets. Uh, okay, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I'll just say this will be a tough game because it's a division game. I think it's a winnable game for sure, but I don't think we're going to steamroll them. Kevin? Um, So this game and the Week 13 game, uh, pick your analysis because we're going to win one of them and lose one of them. No way. Yep, that's how it works. They've got uh, Armstead, Ford, and Bose on the defensive line. For one of those two games, they'll all be healthy. That'll be annoying. But their defense is a really big weakness, so we should be able to pass all over them. and they have Kinslaw, Hurst, and Kerr. Like their defensive line is pretty f- freaking good. And they, yep, they somehow. So end up one of those RDT games, too. they'll be healthy, and it'll be and it'll be painful. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll only be one of the two, and then the other game will whoop them. <laughs> it makes up for how how medium I think their secondary is for sure. Okay, uh, then short week Thursday night football, home versus Rams. Very difficult, very hard. I that, that game scares me. Scares the. It, I'm pooping my pants already about that game. I'm already stressed. My heart level is up. Uh, Kevin, do you agree? Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game because of the short week, because of coming off of traveling to San Fran. Um, something that gives me a lot of hope. Their offensive line is still old man Whitworth plus dudes. And in 2019, those... that died. But in 2020, it was resurrected. One thing I liked about the Rams, what they did is they their offensive line changed a lot from 2018 to 2019, right? Except for Whitworth. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, in tw- and they didn't, they didn't panic. They didn't say, oh, we got to change every guy on this offensive line between 2019 and 2020. They didn't flinch. They just <laughs> said, they just said, let's, let's stick it out. And their offensive line got a lot better because yeah. we talked about this in the show. Continuity and offensive line matters a lot. And they did, they just stuck with the offensive line again, 2020, 2021. So I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be at least as good as last year, unless, unless, Whitworth uh, Wait, unless Whitworth is like finally done, but I yeah. don't know that guy's immortal or something. Like I'm that not going <laughs> to bet on it, but it's something that has to be out there. And it's... I think Stafford is an upgrade. But the other thing is they their defense lost a couple of big pieces. They lost a really important safety. They lost a really good slot corner, and they lost a defensive coordinator who really knew how to, um, you know, push the right buttons on that defense. So I can see the defense taking a step back too. I think this is going to be the win, but right. it's a tough game. It's different. I'm. I don't know. Stafford could. Stafford is such an upgrade over Goff too. It it makes me uncomfortable. Oof. Goff is not good. Huge. Yeah. And then the we'll defense. Like later. you're right. You're right, Kevin. The defense. Like it. It's not there, but they have like two A plus plus level talents, which yep. makes up for a lot of a lot of deficiencies elsewhere. 
Eric, you pooping your pants about Thursday night football? You know, I'm, I've been riding high on this and uh, not paying attention to your Vikings uh, love fest. Uh, this is the trap game. This no. is the game that that we're going to feel a little overconfident about because fairly what Kevin said, but uh, the Rams are, are going to – they're going to be mad we took their woman. I So I think <laughs> this first five-game stretch will be really telling because this is five pretty tough games. I think we all agree that like – Colts, yeah, Titans, Vikings, 49ers, Rams. Like none of these teams are total pushovers. Uh Jimmy G's a pushover, but the rest of the team is fine. So so Trey so, Lance could be starting by then. Who knows? No, not week four. It's too early. Jimmy G, they, Jimmy G could like break his knee like stepping on the field or something. Uh, then they got they got they'll, they'll throw out one of those like weird <laughs> generic Iowa, Iowa quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so so this is they, this stretch, though, if we can get out of here like three and two in the first five games, I will be feeling very good about the season, to be honest with you. I, I know like in the moment, I'll probably be like really salty, uh, uh, salty <laughs> because we'll like the two games we'll lose will have both been winnable games. But to be honest, going three and two in this stretch would be very satisfying to me because this is this is probably the toughest stretch of the schedule. I think this first five games is really difficult. Um, there's another four game stretch that I think is pretty difficult. Uh, depending on one factor, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But this, I think this five-game stretch is, is the toughest part of the schedule. Yeah. This first. This is games. also the surprising first of three in a row primetime games. Yeah, Thursday night We're also in the middle of a four out of six on the road to start the year. Then we go straight, straight into uh, Sunday night football at Pittsburgh. Uh, I expect Pittsburgh's offense to be a, a dumpster fire. They didn't do anything or they didn't do enough to fix their offensive line. They seem to think that drafting a running back will fix that problem that they had. Um, so good luck with that, I guess. I, I'm i set. You can't just roll like Ben Roethlisberger's corpse out there with the same dumpster fire offensive line you did last year. It, we saw what happened. They had to throw the ball in like one second. They're definitely not going to be able to run. Najee Harris can't fix the fact that these guys can't block. Like that's not what his skill set is. He's good. But if they can't, if they don't block for him, I mean, he ran behind Alabama's offensive line. That's a really good offensive line. Their defense should be solid, but I I like the way we match up with the 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 deficient offensive line covering up our maybe our defensive lines. I don't think our defensive lines are like a huge weakness. I think it's underrated at this point. But yeah, I like this one. Easy easy game. Kevin, do you agree? Uh, I think if we're the team that I think we are, then this is the game that proves it by being an easy game because they're I think their cornerbacks are ones that you can throw on. Um, Their pass rush is what intimidates you. So if our offensive line has improved the way we think it will, it'll give Russ and the offense enough time to still get the ball out. If our defensive line and our pass rush is as good as we think it is, it should be able to absolutely eat up this Pittsburgh offensive line. And if our corners are at least decent enough that you can trust them to press, then we should be able to keep them from getting those quick one-second throws and it will make it so that that defensive line can get to the quarterback. So I think this is a really good test to see. Like, I feel like this is a good stress test where it's like, okay, if we have put together the roster we think we put together, then this should become an easy win. Do you see they're going to try to put Joe Haig like they're saying he was going to play tackle again? Yeah, sure. That's uh, <laughs> you can say. Uh, is that worse than the alternative of what they were saying? Uh, I don't know. You tell I me. Mean, Zach Banner, it's probably the, the same. Right? <laughs> it's probably like the this same. is not this is not a good offensive line situation. I don't I don't know what they're trying to trying to do. Um 
Great. They're trying. They're trying, Nathan. Are they, though? Yeah. Uh, in the Pete Carroll era, we've had really good luck against the Steelers. Uh, I don't I don't fear this this game at all. This should be an easy win. Yeah. Okay. Then the next one, uh, Monday Night Football versus the Saints at home. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Drew Brees retired. Easy win. Next. Next one. Go. Kevin. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. I think this team is a lot scarier with Jameis than Taysom. But either way, it's a pretty decent but beatable roster because their interior offensive line is taking a step back. They don't really have a wide receiver, too, which means they might have some trouble testing our defensive backs. And cornerback outside of Lattimore is a big question. So this should be a win, in my opinion, especially at home. I think this should be a win. And I don't know if we've heard a word yet, but I'm expecting a sellout Monday Night Football. Home field advantage will be back. Yeah, and the the Hill Winston thing is just a that's a product of their cap situation. There's no doubt in my mind they could have got an older quarterback or a more accomplished quarterback to come work with Sean Payton. Sean Payton has a good reputation around the league, but their cap is messed up, and so they basically had no choice. It's like and Jameis had LASIK, so he should be good now. I I would I would love to see Jameis after a year of Sean Payton tear it up because I just think the the talent has always been there. But let's let's have him wait until let's have him start Taysom Hill until week seven, and then when we kill them, <laughs> then Jameis can come in and, and rip it up. Uh, Seahawks legend Nick Manette getting his revenge game there. Okay, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the this is the uh, Griffin twin revenge game. Uh, Eric, what do you think? What do you think? October thirty first, Halloween, spooky game. Very do the, spooky. Do the stuff. Griffin? Do the Griffins get their revenge? Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not superstitious. Maybe You're just a little, little stitious. Just a little stitious. <laughs> uh, I, Kevin may may correct me here, but does anyone really have faith that Urban Meyer is going to be a good NFL coach? I no. don't. <laughs> and their quarterback is maybe going to have a comparable year to Peyton Manning's rookie year. Comparable meaning he's still going to throw a bunch of picks. Uh, that's a best case scenario. This should be an easy win, and uh, Shaq will will say like it's good to be back here. At the end. I'm actually going to take it a step further than you, Eric. Ooh. I think Urban Meyer only took this job because Trevor Lawrence makes it one of the softest landing spots does. In, for, yes. a, for a rookie coaching. Because not only that, not only is he a generational talent who's very good at football. But he's a rookie, so you get he gets like a free like free square in the first couple years to to kind of settle in, and then he doesn't really have to have everything put together until year three. It's like a really really soft landing spot for an NFL head coach. Uh, that being said, year one's not going to be it for Jacksonville. They didn't build up their roster quite as much as I would have liked, considering how much the combination of picks and cap room that they had. Like for example, picking Travis Etienne and, and as a <laughs> as a running back with a first round pick. I like, say you don't like that pick at all. There's a lot of holes on this defense to be picking Travis Etchen and as at running back. I mean, this is a it was a bad pass rusher draft and I really do feel like the way Shaysonen is working out, they probably needed to go pass rusher, but boy, they could have done they could have just gone a different defensive position because they need help all over the all over the field in my except for cornerback. Henderson and Griffin is a great A B cornerback pairing. Well, uh, and then they spent their top of the second round pick on Tyson Campbell. So they did get go cornerback with one of their highest picks. Yeah, which is weird, <laughs> which is weird. I, like I said, I just feel like they built this roster really oddly, and I'm not sure exactly what their what their plan is. But uh, 
yeah, I think their plan is to be medium this year to go like seven and 10 and have one more year of, uh, did you know they got Brian Schneider and Darren, Daryl Bevel too? Yep. Dream team. A, Truly our Seahawks Seth. Uh, yeah. So Jacksonville, uh, easy, easy win. Um, I setting my expectations low here. Their offensive line needed an investment as well. Their Trevor Lawrence probably gonna get killed all season. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah. Again, this is one of those ones where if our defensive line is anything that we think it is, then this should be a pretty easy win because we should be able to put enough pressure on Lawrence where he can't really make big plays. And in general, the playmakers on this roster are probably one or two seasons away from really like coming into their own. So this is a good time to catch them on your schedule because yeah, they'll probably be like a six to eight win team and we won't be one of those. Yeah. Chark's really good. Like they have talent. I just think yeah, LaVisca might be good, but they're a year or two away. They need to get better in the trenches. Like, they, they just, I just don't feel like they have like a stud offensive lineman to lay, to lay. Maybe Walker Little is way better than I think, but he's tall. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we have nobody knows because no one's seen him to play since week he was nine by week nine by, which is pretty cool. Uh, right in the middle of the season. That's fun. Uh, this is the other stretch that's pretty tough. I think we go at Green Bay. Now, this is a tough game okay. if Aaron Rodgers is there, but will he be there? Who knows at this point? Kevin, what do you think Aaron Rodgers will play for Green Bay this year? I think. Man, I don't know, man. He's petty enough to just retire. He's so petty. Yes. That, like he's you, the have to, you have to remember, however, uh, however serious you want to take this, this dude just completely cut his family off because he didn't like something they did. This is fact. so like cutting off an entire franchise. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not putting that past him by any means. Yeah, he seems pretty happy with everything that's going on. They offered to make him the highest paid quarterback in the league, which means they were going to give him more money than Mahomes, which is stupid. They shouldn't do that. And he still was like, eh, no. No, I want to just fire this guy instead. Which is awesome. He was telling the free agents last year, it's coming out, that he told them he wouldn't be here this year. That's crazy. Yeah, he's he's not coming back from that. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. I think you're right. He's no comeback. So, so Green Bay, Green Bay with Jordan Love, easy, right? That's that's a yeah. That's a that should be an easy win. If it's Rodgers, this is the this is why this that's what could make this stretch the other tough stretch because the next yeah, three games are typically good coming off a bye. The next three games are kind of tricky. If they uh, if they have Royers, that would be four games in a row. Yeah, uh, got home for the Cardinals. Eric, what do you think? Home for the Cardinals, November twenty first. Trap game. Or tough game. You know, it's a tough game. I, I am shaking in my boots about this game because the Cardinals are... I don't really know if they improve so much in, as if they just got wiser. Uh, read that as older. But Kyler Murray, I, I do anticipate that he is going to improve. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a better year because of that uh, than his first year in Arizona. This is a shaking in my boots game because like the other games in our division... This is, uh, I think we have a chance to go four and two or, you know, even better in the division, but realistically looking at it right now, we're going to go three and three. We're going to split the games and, uh, this could be one of the splits besides it's the old Nathan Santo, you know, flip flop win there, lose here. I love the way the Cardinals have built their roster. I hate Cliff Kingsbury. So I'm going to real, <laughs> it's a, it's a real catch 22 for me here. Like they make, they have made a lot of really good moves. I think this team is really well put together. Getting Rodney Hudson on the offensive line and AJ Green to play outside wide receiver, uh, drafting Rondell Moore, like that offense is going to be sweet. And then they got JJ Watt. And I think Zayvon Collins next to Isaiah Simmons is pretty sweet inside linebacker pairing, too. So, so you got like they got a lot going for them in, uh, on this team. 
but at the end of the day, like the Cliff Kingsbury sucks. So we're going to there. I think both games are tough games. I'm just going to preview my week 18 pick as well. The problem for me is that Cliff Kingsbury is inexplicably going to lose games that he should win. And this team caps out at like 11 wins for me because of it. Even no matter how much I love the roster. What I love though, is that if they fire him after this season, uh, then hopefully the new coach comes in and just cleans house because it's got to be his guys. And then they get rid of all these really good players that they have. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's my opening line of the preview is no more excuses for Cliff. Like the weapons are there. Kyler should be taking a step forward. The thing that I kind of like is number one, um, I think defensive back is a big question there, both in terms of starting and depth. I think that they're a team that you should be able to throw on. The other thing is we don't get them until week 11. And then we have a week 11 and 18. Two things to say about that. Do you know what it is in week 11, Eric? Well, it's not quite uh, Christmas yet, Kevin. No, because we're oh, in the middle of Pete-vember. So, the secondary... I knew, I knew it. Is, we lost a Pete-vember game to, to, to bye week. Sorry, I no. couldn't hear you over facts. Um, so, <laughs> we're in the middle of Pete-vember and J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. What are the odds that both of them are healthy for both week 11 and week 18? Low, um, like 50% probably low. Yeah. yeah. 50% either they will be or they won't be. So I think there's a really good chance that we are able to pick apart this defense that has gadget players. They don't know how to use because they are still shopping for a defense that's being run by a coordinator who isn't there anymore. How many, and so how many times do you think they come out in the, in one personnel with four wide receivers? Cause they have the weapons to do it. Like this is a good, it's going to be a lot. But and that's like so stupid. Don't it's gonna be that. traditional air raid, and they're not gonna realize you can't do that in the NFL because all the cornerbacks are just way too athletic. Did you, did you see what number James Conner picked? No, I didn't. Six. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just uh, hate it already. I hate it so much. The new all number right. thing. I think this is gonna be a win. I, I think that, like I said, I think both games are tough games. But if you made me pick, oh yeah, we're winning this game. We're winning one. This is the one we win because it's at home. Yep. Uh, Monday, the tough stretch continues with Monday night football at the Washington football team. Uh, we always play good in primetime, so I, you know, I like it, but th- this is a tough team. The, Washington is really coming along, and they picked a quarterback that I think can score enough points to let this defense do its thing. This is a really good defense. And yeah, so I'm going to go with a tough game at Washington. Yeah, this is another one of those ones. They had that great defense last year, and they added William Jackson. Chase Young has another year of improvement. Like, that's really dangerous. They picked up Cosme and Leno to play left tackle. They got Flowers to play guard. And then they added uh, Samuel and Diami Brown to the wide receiver room to get some more weapons instead of just the McLaurin show. So I think Washington's really dangerous. I'm calling this a trap game. Samuel Curtis Samuel was a JD McKissick replacement for them because like they used JD McKissick in the slot a bunch and did a bunch of weird gadgety stuff with him last year and they were like hey what if instead we had Curtis Samuel which is just like such an upgrade over JD McKissick yeah. no offense JD McKissick lovers I love him too but Curtis Samuel rules so yeah. so yeah that, that's like that's like a, a genius thing that Ron Rivera did reuniting himself with uh, Samuel yeah Weird. I have this is a trap game as well I don't I don't know exactly what what their offense is going to look like, but this is going but it to can't be, be worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is just going to be a team that the people are going to overlook, and possibly we will as well. Our, our fifth and final uh, primetime game comes to Sunday Night Football versus San Francisco. I, I've already made my thoughts on San Francisco clear. I think this pretty. I think we match up good with them. Easy game, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I think I have this as the win because it's the home one. 
I do as game. well. All right, then easy game at Texans for me because Texans, uh, they are a disaster. That team, that roster is a disaster. And so, yes, who is the best player on their team? I don't know. I think it might be Brandon Cooks. That's what I That's what I thought when I looked at their roster. I was like, wow, this is like not good. This is really not good. If And I'm, I'm assuming that their quarterback is Tyrod Taylor, by the way, or Davis Mills. Or because, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, because... <laughs> Because Deshaun Deshaun Watson seems to uh well you've all heard the stories so yeah uh, I don't know is, is so you're rubbing him out of your plans for yeah exactly mm. uh, he's 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 pretty much off the roster as a, as as, uh, as far as I'm concerned okay uh, let's see my entire note is this is one of the worst rosters in the NFL it's so bad it is this is I cannot if this roster gets seven wins. David Culley should be put straight into the NFL Hall of Fame. Like that's that's how bad I feel like this roster is. They should just they, give him Jimmy Garoppolo's gold jacket. They not only is this roster horrible, their first pick this year was in the third round. And, and then they picked and they picked <laughs> no they picked one. Nico. No, they picked yeah, Davis Mills, and then they picked Nico Collins. Like a they traded receiver. up to pick Nico Collins oh, when they boy. had no draft capital. And then their running back room is like, go this, is, want, this is this is the best part, too. Their running back room is stacked. It's like David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. They're like, yeah, we can run the ball behind this terrible offensive line. I, I don't know what they're doing. This I have no faith. Negative faith in Houston. <laughs> they're going to uh, have some, some good running games. I think for fantasy, some people will be happy. But Deshaun Watson went from, I will never play for the Texans again, to please, please don't suspend me. I will play for the Texans. Uh, either way, he will not be... He won't be on the field for Houston either. He'll be either with the uh, like what the Eagles or suspended. One of the two. Green Maybe Bay, even both. For Rogers. Anyway, that's a Justin potential Justin Britt revenge game. Just if you guys wanted to know. And then uh, at, at Los Angeles Rams, uh, like I said before, I think the Rams make me poop my pants. I'm a little nervous about them. So yeah, that's a tough one for me, uh, Eric. Uh, looking at our schedule and what we've we've said, we will be riding high at this point in the year, ideally, and this will be a trap game. All right, Kevin. I'm also going this tough, yeah. Uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, I think this is kind of a transition year for the Bears. They they have a good enough defense, and they okay. So I made some pretty. Uh, so I looked at this roster for a long time, and I was like, mm, mm, they have a good enough defense. I don't think their offensive line is quite there, and they'll need a year. The problem is, is that this defense could age out like really soon, and it so it worries me. Like Akeem Hicks is about to be 32. Khalil Max about to be 31. You know, it's like that Desmond Trufant is a thousand years old. No, he's 30 also. But th- this defense could age out really fast. And I'm I worry that like the timeline of their offense doesn't line up with the timeline of their defense. Does that make sense? Like this yeah, defense like is going to be good. The Vikings where the defense stopped being good by the time the offense got it together. Yeah, right. This defense is going to be really good, but the offense is not quite there yet and then i feel like the offense is going to start to get good next year but the defense is going to start to slide and they'll meet in the middle they'll be a borderline playoff team you know like a nine to, to 11 win team like I, by the way saying saying nine nine and eight sucks that's gross yes. bring that's back weird. at least make it even numbers like ugh, it's so it's so yucky also they listed justin fields third on their initial depth chart so i feel like you should just you should fire matt Nagy just for that that's that's just I don't know if he made that choice or if it was just like, uh you know, put something on the website. But that's fine. That's fireable offense to put Dalton and Foles ahead of him. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Eric, what do you think? Bears. Uh, this is the Chicago fans revenge game. <laughs> uh, 
because uh, they they thought they had Russell Wilson. It's going to be an easy win. It should be it, like you said, transitional game. We'll win this one, no problem. Right. Uh, so I thought they're they're a playoff team last year, but then they cut their offensive tackles and never mm-hmm. added a wide receiver. And the defense probably will lose about half a step. Like defense is not stable, and they don't have their best corner from last season. Like every player that's good on their defense is thirty or older. Yeah, if much. Fields except is for Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith's amazing. But yeah. if Fields is playing, they're dangerous. If Fields is not playing, I don't even really think they're dangerous. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next uh, week, seventeen uh, versus the Lions and Jared Goff coming back uh, to Seattle one more time. Uh, Ooh, can I go first? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, my note: If Houston isn't the worst roster in the NFL, this is the end. I I think this I think this roster is much better than Houston. I know, but I'm just saying they're second worst. <laughs> They're 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 this team looks like it's 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 such a weird roster. I mean, they shed a Matt Patricia, which is good, but they, like they need a lot They're They need to like get top good. tier performances out of every single one of their every single one of their rookies needs to hit for them to be good. Like St. Brown needs to be a contributor. McNeil needs to be a contributor on needs to be a contributor. Melifon Woot. That's too many. They need too many rookies to be actually like playing this year and being good. It's, I felt like they had a pretty a pretty good draft though. So yes, that's I agree. very unlike the the Lions. But this roster, very very Lions. This is I a think, Matt Patricia roster. Like nowhere to go. Some talent, but no versus no talent. In my opinion, this is a great example of getting together the pieces so that when you get a quarterback with your really high draft right. pick next mm-hmm. season, you have a roster that's around them because they really just need like probably one and a half wide receivers and they a need quarterback. a quarterback. They need a quarterback and one more draft class and that's yeah. it. And then they'll be good. Like they'll be good. They're on the Browns trajectory right before they got Baker where it's like, okay, I can see what they're doing. They're building something. They're moving in the right direction, but now they need to get their Baker Mayfield and they need to get, uh, and one more draft class around him, and it might take a couple years because the Browns weren't instantly good when they got Baker either. Uh, Though yeah, they, they already were... got their terrible coach out of the way, unlike the Browns, who went ahead and like threw that right in the middle. Yeah, Dan Campbell's so sweet, dude. I I don't know, like I I I want to hate Dan Campbell, but he's so cool. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think he's fine. It's, it's like if the Macho Man Randy Savage was an <laughs> NFL coach. You know, it's like it's just ridiculous. It's so stupid. I I love it. I love uh, it so much. Uh, plus, Dan, knee capinator. Another weird thing about Dan Campbell, dude, is like he's all about like toughness and and I'm shooting. He's and he's just like a tight end. You know, like he was a tight end. He wasn't like I I just assumed he was like an offensive tackle or something until I until I like looked into it because I the way he talks about the trenches and like he has such a hard on for like maybe he was a blocking tight end. Um, I mean, he got some balls. Ninety one receptions in his career. That's not too bad. He, he played for like 10 years too. Uh, he almost start. Okay. How about this? He almost started as many games as he had catches. So yeah, you're probably right. He's a black. <laughs> okay. Uh, 76 starts and 91 catches. Uh, um, last one. Uh, Cardinals week 18. I uh, love it. I love, like I said, I think the way, the way that Cliff Kingsbury is still their coach really favor, favors us. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, uh, yeah. W. I, I think we sweep the Cardinals this year. I'm into it. Nice. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, Eric. Yeah, I feel like this is the the check mark win of the division games. All right, and Kevin. I feel like it's a win if we need it. 
Uh, okay, so here let's go. Let's go through it real quick. I think we agree there's like five or six very easy games on the schedule: uh, Jaguars, Saints, Texans, uh, Packers without Rodgers. Although the the the, the other thing that's Lions. cool about that Lions, uh, Bears potentially. The thing about the cool thing about that Giants game is that, or the I mean, sorry, that Packers game is that they're predicting that right now that Rodgers the win loss thing considers Rodgers to be playing. That it it's very obvious. For, what by what the win loss thing is so, we can so that could schedule? that could drop that win lot that win loss thing could drop down another three four five wins if <laughs> rogers is not there so yeah and then the thing about this schedule is for me there's no games on the schedule where i'm like clearly a loss and i think that's huge that's huge it's 17 games that this team could reasonably go out and win uh they won't go 17 and 0 because no one does but they're, but that tells you they should pick up at least twelve wins. Yeah, it's a it's about it's a lot of games that are very very winnable, and so twelve and five. Yeah, so t- twelve to twelve to 13, 14 wins seems very on the table, and I, I I like that. I like that. Now, the thing is, if everything goes wrong, it could get it could go south fast. But that that's true of any NFL season, and I'm assuming that you know it's not going to be Russ gets hurt, kind of craziness or whatever so yeah you don't predict that way like that'd be like going oh well i think that uh you know uh the chiefs are gonna lose 10 games because i think that tyree kelsey and mahomes are all gonna get hurt like that's that's not a prediction that's just saying bad stuff can happen yeah all right uh anything you guys want to want to say before we uh move on to to uh the money's uh just one kind of fun thing um so we have five primetime games on the schedule, and I think there's a really decent chance that if it's important that the Rams game in week 15 and the Cardinals game in week 18 are two more that I wouldn't shock me if they ended up being flexed into primetime. Okay. Not knowing the, me- the mechanics of that. So this could be like a really heavy primetime so year. I do know this. The division is only allowed to have like two more time primetime games. Cause there's a max, there's a max number for each team and there's a max number for the division. Uh, so yes, but I could totally see us being the week 18. The, the want to hear something crazy about that week 18. I think hmm. they're going to flex it into a Saturday doubleheader. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. The way they switched the, um, opening night, double, the opening Monday doubleheader into a playoff matchup doubleheader instead. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So there's no more Monday night, double Monday night football week one. Instead, Week 18 will be a double Saturday playoff implications game or something. Uh, so so I was go. right about that, that there's no doubleheader to open Monday Night Football. I will miss that. I, I won't because okay. I didn't get off work early enough to start oh, the first no. game. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say this, the second ESPN game with the B announcers was always super weird. I, <laughs> it was. It was like you, it just got early Monday Night Football, and then the second game was like, I don't care about Broncos Raiders ever. Who cares? Is that Lee Corso? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, so – there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest pod, podcast. The best way to do so, head over to uh, only12s.com. Uh, click anywhere on the screen. You'll take you to our Patreon for as little as $1.24 a month. Get access to uh, some of our draft stuff, our uh, off-season stuff we're going to throw up there, and our in-season gambling and fantasy thoughts. Uh, also, uh, be like new Patreon Leon and j- join the uh, join the squad. Get in uh, the Discord. Our fantasy leagues will be starting uh We'll be starting to fill them up on June 1st, so keep an eye out for that. So thank you to everyone who supports the show, including our top, top 
tier uh, Patreons, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Brian, Tom, Emmanuel, Bob, Casey, E.B., Flocktimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Sam. I changed the order, and now the, the name, first names are in order. So, like, now there's, like, two the same name in a row, and it's really making me laugh. Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Thank you to everyone who supports the show. Um, you guys really keep us going, keep me sane. Uh, and I love the Discord. It's so fun to, to chop it up with everyone. Uh, yeah, all right. You guys ready for a movie club? Let's do Absolutely. it. All right. So our Let's movie attack club- it. Our movie club is from 2011. It's a British science fiction comedy horror. Uh, monster. I would say it's a monster movie. Um, yep. That's just my my opinion take on the movie. But uh, it's directed by Joe Cornish, starring a debuting uh, John Boyega. Right, this was his first role in a film. This is Attack the Block. I I'll say this. I saw this movie in the theater because uh, it had because it had uh, Nick, Nick Frost? Frost in it. Yep. And Nick I was Frost like, is delightful. And I was like, I love Nick Frost. I love, um, so I want to see this. And this is a long time ago. This is like 10 years ago. And so um, this movie has a cool soundtrack. Let's just start with that. Um, it's got like the, it's Basement Jacks that did the music. And so it's kind of got this like cool, uh, it, it hits a little hard. And it's about, you know, on Guy Fox night, these weird meteorites fall from the sky and uh, alien creatures uh are are in these meteors let's just yeah and it's it hits the south side of london which is um kind of the like working class and lower district so this is not the posh area and so there's a lot of like class commentary and stuff that's all like spun up into this yeah it's there's there's a yes there's like a um, the characters are from different walks of life let's just say that um and I think the tagline for this movie was inner city versus outer space, which I yep. think is like a great, wonderful tagline. So Eric, what do you think of attack the block? Uh, I liked it a lot. I was not in on this movie at the very beginning. I really just kind of watched it cause you talked about it a lot and Kevin seemed to like it. Uh, so when I, I caught it on it was streaming somewhere, I want to say like Amazon a couple years ago and I got to watch it for the first time. I liked it and I got to see like, Oh, Hey, John Boyega is in this and, and he's really popular now <clears throat> it launched his career and uh, it shows his acting range from, you know, uh, screaming through the Star Wars movies to where he started in this movie. Um, decent effects, decent amount of mystery. That's what I kind of took out away from the movie. It wasn't all there are plenty of explosions, but it wasn't just explosions and nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was a, a little smarter than I, I thought it would be. Has cool uh, set pieces, yeah. They have yep. these set. They have these set pieces that are that really kind of work in this movie. That maybe in a, a normally like in a low budget science fiction thing like this, those set pieces wouldn't exist. But Joe Cornish is really, uh, and this is kind of what I want. Why I wanted to pick this movie. I think Joe Cornish is really talented, and he really got a lot out of what his limited resources that he had in this situation. Um, so yeah, Kevin. Yeah, saying? there's a couple really clever things. I agree. Uh, so a couple things that are really clever that helps maximize. Number one. Um, they don't show the monsters on screen a lot, or when they do, they play games with the lighting and stuff Mm -hmm. so that they're able to make a lot out of a little. They do really tight scene work where it's like, okay, we're in a hallway or like one of the scenes they're doing a fight inside of a car. And there's like, there's like a mistiness that that is in the movie because they, and they say that, 
uh, like there's like spores or something or they let off uh, pheromones and stuff. So they like give a reason for it to be there. But I think that like it, he used that to really great effect because it made, um, it kind of hid, like I said, like this movie cost $8 million and it looks insanely good considering that, that that's what they paid for it. Yeah. They also used uh so it's an 82 minute movie and it's this really tight cut runtime where you're kind of in constant motion, which again, played into it. So like you'll be in Nick Frost's place where, you know, it's a drug dealer's place. And so the lights are low. And uh, again, the ambiance and everything kind of allows you to probably get away with being a little cheaper in certain areas or things look dingy and grungy. So you aren't buying top of the line furniture for this swanky apartment. You're in a housing block, you know? And so I, I feel like a lot of those things are cool. Um, I feel like the way that John Boyegi's character and the kids that he runs with, um, the social commentary done through them where it's like, you know, basically they're making trouble because they don't have anything else to do. And it's their way of kind of getting by because if they don't join a group or start something on their own, then they're kind of get run over because of the way the neighborhood works. Uh, There's the two little comic relief kids. And those would normally be annoying in a movie, but they're kind of hilarious in this one. Probs and you're talking about probs and mayhem. That's that's the ones. Probs, probs and mayhem are like the uh, the, they're like the best duo in cinematic history, dude. I think it's because there's enough tension in the movie that they come along. They're like they they cut the tension perfectly. I think like the one thing I love about probs and mayhem too is they just really want to be in the gang. Like they just want to, they just want to be part of the crew, man. Just 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 let them in or whatever. So um, yeah, this. The thing is, this uh, like this movie. One, you can watch it for free on Pluto TV, Eric. I don't know if that's how you watched it, but uh, no, 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 I didn't have Pluto. You back can also then. see it on Tubi. Um, Tubi, yes, but it's on like those those free with commercial ones. Um, two, this movie has a lot of heart comparatively to like your expectations. Like I, I went in expecting like a you know action comedy because it was executive produced by Edgar Wright, so I'm expecting like that Edgar Wright kind of style action comedy beats, and it's not. It has a lot of it has that heart too, that heart element that kind of makes those, uh, those action comedy movies super special. And I think, um, like when, when that, when a character dies or gets hurt, you really feel it, you know, it's like a, they really did a good job. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, even the characters you getting, might start out not having a lot of sympathy for, like they do a good job of giving you enough of a glimpse into their life where you do like hope they get out and like hope that things are okay for them. It's good characterization. It's, it's 88 minutes. It has like a really tight like arc too. Like there's a three act arc in this movie that a lot of movies can't achieve. You should, if you want to know like how to write a tight script, just watch this movie. Like this movie is a masterclass in like how to set up, you know, and follow through your, your, your classic uh, kind of three act structure of a movie. Okay. The reason I want to talk about Joe Cornish though, let me uh, go, go ahead with that is that Joe Cornish gets just attached to a lot of stuff, but none of it ever gets done. And like, I just want him to make movies bad because I think he's really talented. Even his kids movie that did finally come out in 2019, the kid who would be King is like, it's, it's really well made. Even if I thought that the, the, um, the script wasn't my favorite. Like I, I was like, as this movie's not for me, but like, I thought that movie was really solid. And like Joe Cornish right now is attached to making a snow crash future film adaptation or TV show. He's attached to making a starlight, uh, T, uh, movie which the the, co- the comic eric by mark millar oh i know 
not the not the um, not the Neil Gaiman book or whatever. So so yeah, he's attached to he's attached to some uh, some cool stuff, and I just like want him to make more stuff. I'm like so into uh, it. he 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 wrote. I also uh, like when talented talented people make stuff. It's good. he wrote he wrote Ant Man. And then like him and Edgar Wright kind of got driven out of the film due to disagreements with thing, but you can still see their fingerprints on what ended up on the screen. Like, I think you can definitely tell what parts of the movie were very uh, Cornish slash right. Uh, and which, which aren't. So yeah, that's kind of why I want him to make more stuff. I'm a really big fan. And I think like, if you watch attack the block and uh, you know, you think about the adventures of Tintin and Ant-Man and kind of see like where his fingerprints are on that stuff. It's, yeah, you, you you should want him to make more stuff too. <laughs> Especially when he gets attached to such cool IP like Starlight and Snow Crash, which are like some IP I would really love to see get made. Yeah, let's face it, a films. Snow Crash movie done well is on your uh, is on your dream list. Yeah, yeah, that that would be the best. Snow Crash is my favorite. Like, I don't I don't know if it's the best book I ever read, but it's my fa- it's the one I've read the most times. It's my favorite. I've read it like eleven times. I think I've no there's no book I've read more times than that book. I read it almost every year. So. Yeah, I, I think that that would be super cool. Um, all right, any any th- any other thoughts before we uh, head out on Attack the Block? No, I think you covered it nope. good. That was fun. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you all next week. Go Hawks.